Ooh, that's a hard, I would say learn Bitcoin. I mean, you have to believe. As a sales guy, every one of our sales guys, they came and you know, they were a Bitcoin believer. Not believe what you're selling. And then they came to Bitcoin, and then yeah. they came to sell, right? So you have to believe that Bitcoin is, you know, not going to go away. It's the future, and it has to be bigger than just this your job. And those are the sales and account executives that we find uh, do the best. Welcome to the Bitcoin Talent Co. podcast, where we interview entry level to C level executives about working in the Bitcoin industry. Learn about their interview process, what they do day to day at their Bitcoin job, and advice for current job seekers looking to work full time in Bitcoin. Hope you enjoy. Hello, and welcome to the Bitcoin Talent Co. podcast. I'm your host, Eric Podwaski, and today I'm joined with my friend, JP Barrick, who is the owner and CEO of The Mining Store. JP, thanks for joining me. I'm excited to be here today. Let's talk some mining. Yeah, let's do it. Not only mining, I think you're also considered uh, what you'd say an OG in the space. So it'd be really cool to hear your insights, you know, going, being in, in the space for like, what, a decade or so now? Yeah, coming up on a decade. Bitcoin was my uh, bread and butter in high school. I just kind of learned about it, figured out what I, you know, what I wanted to do early on, which was build in the Bitcoin space. I, for me, it was huh. super exciting that Bitcoin was separated from uh, state and money. And it was like this big opportunity. At first, it was all about the dollars, right? You don't know exactly what Bitcoin's going to do. You think it, you know, it's $70 a coin. It could be still a little overpriced. And you're like, what, what do I want to do with this? This is my time. And so for me, I was in the computer space. I would love robotics. I was had a robotics camp when I was younger. And so I decided to start mining Ethereum and mining Bitcoin and figuring out how to extract these new Bitcoins from the network. And it was a journey. But as a, as yeah. a young high school or freshman year, you know, just kept pushing through. And then when it came to college, went to school for computer science for one year and dropped out uh, and built the mining store to what it is today. That's wild. Yeah, we'll definitely dive more into that story. But before we do that, I'm curious, what was your life like before Bitcoin? Um, you said it's pretty early on, got into it. So I'd imagine you don't have like too much professional experience. But yeah, anything leading up to it, what were you, what were you doing? So before Bitcoin, I was, you know, if my first job per se, my dad was like, if you want to go to summer camp, you got to pay for half of it. So I went out and started selling some strawberries, you know, look getting some cash, going to neighbors saying, hey, I'm going to go pick some strawberries. Do you want to buy it? Just trying to find a place to create value. From there, we ended up winning a, me and a team, a robotics team, first place in North Carolina. And I was like, oh, this could be such a like accolade that I can use to do a robotics camp in my friend's basement. So we ended up doing mm -hmm. robotics camp in our basement, freshman year, uh, maybe eighth grade year, middle school, right around then. And once we started getting traction and started getting some funds, that's when Bitcoin came into the picture for me. And I was like, this is amazing. I can make money on the internet. You know, I don't need to be 18 years old to open up an account. And it was a much different time of KYCing and opening up and sending you know, money to Mt. Gox back in the day. Asked my mom for her passport, like, hey, I need to wire Mt. Mm -hmm. Gox to open up an account for you. Like, it was a great time to learn a lot about this new industry. But yeah, I didn't have much time in the fiat world uh, before I moved into Bitcoin. Interesting, huh? I think you're the first guest that could say that, honestly. All right, but cool. I would say while I was in the fiat world, like as an intern, I was always trying to red pill or orange pill people into Bitcoin yeah. mining and just Bitcoin in general and like saying, hey, this is something you should check out. This is when Bitcoin yeah. was like $1,000 a coin, $2,000. And eventually, you know, those guys came around and they were the ones who advised me not to go to college because they were like, JP, you don't need college. You're just like, you're doing too well with Bitcoin. Why would you go? Mm -hmm. But, you know, had to go for the social and aspects of it and, and, and see what it was all about. 
Right. Yeah, I think that's funny. I think a lot of uh, Bitcoin enthusiasts are that person at, at their job that's constantly talking about it with other coworkers, trying to get them to get on board with the mission. Uh, I was definitely one of those as well. So, all right, I want to learn more about the initial Bitcoin story. Like, where where did you first hear about it? Um, what year was this? And then, yeah, talk me through deciding to get into mining as well. So it was 2013 for me, initial Bitcoin story, reading online about this currency, saw a TechCrunch article, mentioned Bitcoin, and I was like, this is super cool, I wanna go buy it. And at that time, Mt. Cox was one of the first and only exchanges out there. And mm-hmm. it was too complicated, too complicated to get Bitcoin, uh, You know, didn't know about local Bitcoins at the time. And so then from there, as I mentioned, maybe a few months later, came back around, saw the price was going up, wanted to get in, so went to my mom and was like, I need your passport. We're going to sign up for an account. So that's how I got my first uh, you know, Bitcoin back in the day. I was taking money from my robotics camp that I had in buying, uh, buying the Bitcoin outright. When it came to mining, the first large mining operation I had, or small operation I had was at my house, just in a, 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 it's a cardboard box running six GPUs, uh, motherboard, power supply in your basement, put an extra um, circuit in, and then from there ended up moving to a large facility in Graham, North Carolina, where I raised $100,000 from family and friends and put some money in myself, bought 300 graphics cards and plugged them all in. We were one of the first Ethereum miners, uh, about 1% of the network when it started, and we were mining close to 500 Ethereum every single day, uh, me and my partner uh, back in the day, Evan Neal. And so that right there is just mm-hmm. the, the opportunity to create you know, cheap Ethereum using computers and electricity and running a mining facility was an amazing experience. And I'm talking, you know, go to, go to work, uh, go to school, come back from school, go drive an hour, go to this facility, work till midnight, sleep on the couch there, and then drive back to school in the morning just to keep the mine mm-hmm. running and do the whole new install. So it was an amazing experience. And I'm so thankful for the opportunity to, you know, to have, to be able to have $100,000 as a high schooler, to be able to invest oh, yeah. and to be able to buy all these machines. Most people aren't in that position. And so that helped me spring to uh, where we are today in building, you know, multi-million dollar facilities. Yeah, that's a pretty crazy story. Like, the fact that you just got involved in high school. And I'm also, so I got into Bitcoin maybe late 2017 or so. I was at college at that time, university. Um, you know, there, there were a good amount of educational resources online. But I'm curious, back in like 2013, 2014 era, how did you go and learn about this? Like, how did you even get the idea, you know, I'm going to go get a loan out and whatever, raise money to start a Bitcoin mine? Yeah, I'm just mind blown right now how you could do that. So, back yeah, a few a few stories come to mind. I would say one of them was a the Crypto Carolina conference in Charlotte. So I drove down to that and I... Um, went to KYC AML training for like the day and then had the two days of talks. Adam Draper was there, even at Vitalik was pitching Ethereum there. And like oh, wow. a bunch of cool people were there chatting and talking about the industry. That was one way. Meetups. I love meetups. Every Thursday, Bitcoin, Raleigh Bitcoin meetup where I grew up, we would meet. And I was, you know, one of the youngest guys there just going to the bar, wasn't even old enough to drink, just talking, chatting with these other fellow libertarians, picking their brains, understanding why they, you know, really the love, the ethos behind Bitcoin, what they did, what they saw for the future of it, and trying to understand the tech and expand upon that. And then the third one was Andreas Antonopoulos, you know, on YouTube and other sources, which is just a great way to digest and learn information. And for me, when I like, I dive deep into something, I'm just, you know, a book nerd for it. I just kind of go down the rabbit hole and 
get all the information I can. And that's what Bitcoin was learning about like Byzantine generals problem. It kept me interested when my studies were not necessarily doing that. And it allowed me to make money or Bitcoin, you know, from this interest, which was a win-win. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You said early on too, you really got in through a money Ethereum. Now this is like more of a Bitcoin focused podcast. Uh, I'm curious how you think about Bitcoin and the rest of the crypto assets nowadays. Is there any like big distinction in your mind or was there ever an aha moment when you realized Bitcoin's a little different? Yeah, I mean, a hundred percent. I think when I, you know, when I started, I was there for the the dollar. So like, you know, it didn't matter what coin you were trading, you know, you, the goal yeah. was to, the goal, yeah, the goal was to make money and you were like, oh, let's, this is going to pump up. I don't care. Let's get on Twitter. Let's, you know, let's pipe it up. And everyone is just like out there trying to make a buck. But then as, mm-hmm. you know, time moves on, I became more of a, a, a Bitcoin maxi per se, where it's like, no, you know, all those other coins don't bring much value. They're just blockchains. They're just advertising. They're just people that are creating tokens with a bunch of use cases and roadmap. But then the project fails. And I've seen that plenty of times being in since 2013, which makes mm-hmm. you remove yourself from that crypto ecosystem and say, actually, there is only one true value coin that we always know is going to go up. And that's Bitcoin. And yes, there are coins that are obviously still here because it's very hard for a blockchain to ever die. But the amount of value being transacted on Bitcoin, the ecosystem and how big it's getting and everyone building on top of it is a force that can't be reckoned with. And so I think, you know, today and now with Mining Store, we're about 90 percent Bitcoin mining and then 10 percent other mining for Mm -hmm. other clients. But that's our main focus because of the, you know, foundational uh, rock solid nature of Bitcoin and the staying power it has. Hey guys, real quick, as a Bitcoin-focused recruiting firm, our goal at Bitcoin Talent Co. is to bring as many professionals into the Bitcoin industry as possible. Since we don't run ads, our one ask is to rate, review, and share this podcast with friends and family so more people can find this show. Thanks, and now back to the interview. Curious about the story, I guess more or less the timeline of the mining store. You gave us kind of the background here. Now walk me through it once it's up and running. How do you get from whenever that was a decade ago up until now? What are like the sure. major milestones? Yeah, we're just walking through that process. So, if, if, you know, a few things come to mind. So we had those miners at Graham, North Carolina, ended up moving them to uh, the Dolls, Oregon. And then right around then, I bought my partner out of the company. Uh, I was in college. He didn't go to school. We, we realized, you know, we weren't putting in equal amount of times. It didn't feel like it was working out. So at that point, mm-hmm. it was just that really that mining operation. And because my family had invested a majority of the capital, and I was the one who bought them out. And then from there, that's when miningstore.com really started to grow. And so we started selling uh, machines online, GPUs online, and, and, and machines and cases. We would package them up, send them out on eBay, send them out on Amazon, and then they would get destroyed by the time they got the customer by USPS. They were like, yeah. okay, we're not doing this anymore. Then we moved to like a, a data center, or actually then we started producing them, these machines and manufacturing them and selling them to other people in my parents' basement. And we had a, I put up a shed in the backyard, ran a new electric circuit in there, mm-hmm. was feeding power to those machines. And that's how we were testing and shipping out products in a, in a 4U server case. So a little bit stronger of a design to ship. And then eventually dropped out of school, moved to Raleigh, moved to a warehouse in Raleigh, paid for the whole lease up front because my landlord didn't know, you know, he was like, I don't get Bitcoin. You know how to pay for the whole lease up front if you want it. So came in, paid for the mm-hmm. whole lease up front, uh, build out a data center there at that facility, exhaust it, you know, build out this data center, um, 6,000 square foot, ordered a bunch of machines and servers and just kind of sat there on the cases. Next thing you know, 
order comes in, we're doing like 900 GPU servers, just sending them out to different clients who are looking to buy or who are buying these machines. And then from there, we started realizing, okay, there's a market in the institutional side. Had solar companies reach out to us, worked with a company called Biostar Renewable. They deployed a solar uh, a mining container on a solar farm for t just to get the tax credits and to ensure that they could you know, get their completion date and online date uh, done. And then from there, Sacramento Kings, mm -hmm. working with them on Mining for Good, a partnership with there for, for a charity and mining Ethereum in their data center, working with clients all the way up, consulting on facilities all across the U.S., from facilities in New York to facilities in North Carolina, like PRTI, where they burn tires for energy. And that's where we realized that there was a nice niche I had here in the business and eventually got to Iowa. And in Iowa is where we started building five megawatt modular facilities, started building relationships, relationships with the cooperatives there and realized that there was a future to scale. And then in between, it's been an awesome opportunity to learn about you know, renewables and how to buy a renewable wind farm and working mm -hmm. on trying to acquire renewable energy assets um, prior to the Biden Infrastructure Act and working on all these projects that kind of stretch you as an individual to learn more and more about how these intricacies come together. So it's not just Bitcoin, but mm -hmm. it's energy and it's politics and it's zoning and construction and it's people management. And with that stack, you know, I have today, now it's talking about what's the future for mining store? How do we get liquidity for investors? And how do we continue to scale and build our operations efficiently and effectively? Right. Uh, you mentioned before, I would definitely want to hear more about the mining store, everything you guys do. Before that, uh, what about the energy sources that you're generating from now? Is it primarily primarily all renewables, gas? Yeah, oil, so we are we are on the grid, so we get a uh -huh. wide variety of energy mixes. Um, the nice thing about Iowa, it has the highest wind penetration out of any state, and so there is a lot of wind, and which means there are negative price hours on the grid. So as a mm -hmm. Bitcoin miner, our contracts are transitioning from. Uh, delaying the peak or not running during peak demand, which is when everyone's running power at that hot afternoon at 4 p.m. It's also the most carbon intensive uh, power footprint at that time because there's a lot of natural gas, there's a lot of coal on the grid. So we're turning off at those times and we're mm -hmm. moving towards a market-based program where we'll be consuming energy at cost plus a percentage. Uh, from what the open market trades at, which means that we're no longer um, have to worry about what a small community's power usage is and how we're going to affect their peak load. We still have to obviously worry about the cost of power. And so those hours when everyone's using energy, as you can imagine, the cost of energy is the highest. And so we also turn off. But there's opportunities now to use energy in negative priced hours because of all this wind and solar and get paid um, for that energy and get paid to mine Bitcoin at the same time. Yeah, it's, it's a beautiful thing, honestly. Uh, it is it. beautiful. Cool. So walk me through now the, the mining store overall. What's it look like in 2023? What's all the products, services you guys um, offer to the market? Sure. In, in 2023 today, we, we have four different products. One is a $100 uh, investor. And so we wanted to be able to still service the smaller individual who wanted to come in and get into mining, but we didn't want to uh, increase our overhead and our support staff and our ticketing system and flood mm -hmm. all of that, the contracts, you know, everything that goes with just one customer with one unit. And so we, we worked under right. something called the Reg CF framework, which is regulated crowdfunding, which allows us to create a special purpose vehicle that's just designed to buy Bitcoin miners, work with influencers or host one ourselves as mining store where anyone can go in and invest um, you know, a set amount of capital based on their income, and we can collect up to $5 million per year per vehicle uh, for this Reg CF. And so mm -hmm. like I said, that's 
giving people invest, giving them exposure to Bitcoin mining operations. And they don't actually own any devices, mm -hmm. but they own shares in a Bitcoin mining operation. So that was section one where we wanted to create and decentralize Bitcoin mining and have this, and I've always had this dream of allowing anyone to get into mining. And so that's at a hundred dollar price point. The next price point we focus on is like the $10,000 and up, which is our managed mining program, which is a lease back model where it's a profit share. The customer buys the machines, we lease it back from them, we operate them for that on their behalf, and we take a percentage fee of the revenue just like a mining pool does. Uh, the third mm -hmm. option is the you know, the larger scale hosting client who just wants to put their machines and host them with a traditional co-location provider and get, provide energy at a steady cost. These customers can be great because they help uh, solidify our business during a bear market and let us ensure that we can pay the debt we take out to build the facilities and also ensure we can pay the staff that run the facilities without having to worry about Bitcoin's price and mining profitability. And then our final client are the large family offices, hedge funds that are looking to take a, their own position in Bitcoin mining. They want to own the land. They want to build out their own real estate. They want to own their own infrastructure. And they're usually putting up anywhere between you know, $7 million to $20 million in, 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 in capital in order to buy the miners and deploy at these facilities. So those are our four types of customers. And you know, each customer... Mm -hmm. Uh, has different, let's say, interest rate levels at different price points in Bitcoin, and uh, we see we like mm -hmm. to service you know them all. But it's amazing to see when customers are allocating capital that are institutionals, and then when retail is, you know, when you're screaming at the top of the hills to retail, like this is the time to buy, but that doesn't always happen. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, and more about the company itself. How many employees are you at nowadays? So we're between twenty and twenty-five employees. Um, always adding new yeah. technicians. Um, have a sales yep. team, have a you know a back office, but for us, my focus has been on getting a lean operation that can scale yep. effectively and not scaling too fast. I think in a, in in the when your price of Bitcoin is going up, it's really easy to add staff because there's so many new requests coming in. But one of the problems is when the price of Bitcoin is yep. going down, especially in mining, you have to be able to cut fast. And so as a company, we've scaled up, we've had to cut fast before during those bear markets so that you can survive the depth of the bear market. Um, and so for us, it's always about managing technicians per megawatt and making sure that we have you know three technicians for every six megawatt facility and we don't go mm -hmm. over that number so that we're not overstaffed and um, we're not you know ex expending more than the cash flow being generated from each one of these assets. Yeah. I think a lot of Bitcoin companies went through the same thing, at least in this previous cycle, going 2020, 2021-ish, even to 2022, that drastic rise in price, hire a ton of people, ton of demand, and then it's all gone within, I don't know, weeks, a month or so, even when, yeah, when like FTX collapsed. Um, so hopefully the Bitcoin companies have learned their lesson, sounds like you have, uh, deciding to keep it a little more lean now. I'm curious, what are like, what, what jobs are most in demand right now in the mining industry overall? I would say the most in demand today are site locators, guys who are going to go out, negotiate land leases, negotiate energy contracts, locate substations. Mm -hmm. uh, there is a need for capacity. There always is a need for capacity in this industry. Um, second option is te mining technicians, finding high quality uh, network technicians, mining technicians that the key is that they, they know the mining stack, they also have a good IT experience, and they also want to live in rural areas like Iowa. And then the third option really is like your sales and marketing to your sales team. 
those guys that mm-hmm. are going out there, they're educating people on Bitcoin mining, explain to them what the having is and, and, and convincing them to invest capital into this space. Um, I think those are the three most needed jobs for a Bitcoin mining company today. And then when you start to scale and it's like going a little bit crazy and the market's hot, it's going to be account executives, more customer success focused roles uh, to keep yep. the operation happy and keep everyone, you know, understand that what it means to actually own a Bitcoin miner and what to expect. It's not a, you know, you're not owning a server in Google. It's something that there is downtime and there is part replacements and, you know, Bitmain does take a while to get stuff fixed. And so there's all these little minute details that you don't necessarily expect when you're a new Bitcoin miner or new Bitcoin investor. Right. Yeah, that's a really good insight. Um, and as a, I guess, uh, an owner, as an employer, what are you looking for in employees? Are you looking for people that have a deep understanding of Bitcoin or do they just need to have that, I guess, traditional um, energy related career path uh, behind them? So really looking for IT. IT related okay. career paths. So on people who understand a good, strong Linux base, understand uh, cybersecurity, understand networking, that's where we try to attract those talent, that talent. And then we have something called a maintenance tech, which are guys who are you know, out in the field, they're more handy on fixing things like our fans and they're, they understand electricals, they fix like the pet PDUs, uh, they mm-hmm. do like the cabling of the racks. Uh, they do asset management or shipping delivery and, and, and sending out shipping supplies. So we have people, you know, our focus is ITs, but we do also have other non-IT related roles at the site um, that need to be done. And that mm-hmm. and the Bitcoin background, we find that more, more people who move to the sites from out of town have that Bitcoin desire and goal versus people who are hiring locally kind of get adopted into the Bitcoin ethos and then understand it more versus the guys who are moving there for a Bitcoin mining job usually are, are looking looking for that. Okay. And then, yeah, during the hiring process as well, how much weight do you put on the Bitcoin knowledge? Is it like you need to have at least 101 base level education or I won't even hire you or is it not that? It's more about the ideal experience and then uh, okay. and, and an understanding of wanting to learn about what this all is, Bitcoin and, and what it means. Yeah. And it's something that I'm, you know, I educate the team through, you know, monthly or weekly calls and with the team mm-hmm. and just sharing my experience and my knowledge. And we have a, everyone has to go through a training course. And part of that is reading some of these Bitcoin material and looking at some of watching some YouTube videos about why Bitcoin is important and how it affects society so that they are educated on the impact that, you know, we do make to the local communities as a mining farm and then also worldwide. Yeah, that's a good answer. Um, as Bitcoin Talico is a recruiting firm focused in the Bitcoin space, I mean, we, we, we think there's a big emphasis on onboarding new employees and along the onboarding experience, teaching them about Bitcoin if they don't know about it. Our thesis is that all the talent mostly lays outside the industry. So it's how can we bring them in, get them trained on the job, obviously, but also give them that Bitcoin component too. So you mentioned that that training program you have. Can you get me just like a high-level overview of what's included in that? Yeah, it's going to be everything from, um, you know, how do you take apart a Bitmain miner? Uh, what are these error codes mm-hmm. and how do you solve these basic error codes? How do you navigate like a, a Linux uh, operating system and command prompt? Um, what happens if like this type of networking error is occurring or how do you diagnose uh, a networking issue on site? Um, items like, you know, fire and, and, and electrical safety. 
and how do you work on live, you know, how do you make sure that it's not live when you're working on electrical circuits and how do you mm-hmm. uh, tag, tag in, tag out electrical systems? Um, those are, how do you support ticketing systems? How do you use an asset management database? Why is it important to, you know, track which parts you use on which machines and how do you bill the clients? So those are all the kind of like things that are level one techs have to come through and it's a two week training program on, on site uh, where they work with different technicians who have different expertise to get passed and, and trained up on it. And then they mm-hmm. have to also take a, uh, a Linux certification for different, for, for each level one. We have level one, level two, and level three technicians. And each one has an internal training program and then an external training class that they take on their own uh, in order to move up to each level. There's a certain amount of time and also these training programs. And then that it gives them the ability to have a straight path of how do I go from an employee making you know, $18, $17 an hour all the way up to making $32, $33 an hour as someone who's yep. more experienced, who can handle more machines in a more diverse uh, group of problems. Got it. Yeah. So onboarding experience for you, for your company, seems more like uh, technical based. Uh, curious. What about the Bitcoin education? Does that just come along with? Yeah, it's, it's just some YouTube videos to start. Uh, some Andreas on okay. videos, some books, some podcasts uh, where they you know, they need to look through. And there's also like culture books that uh, we have them read, especially in the first three months of being there, so they understand like how the culture is. What does it mean to be radically candid in our communication? And uh, we, we're mm-hmm. an agile group, so we have to usually educate them on what agile is and what is a scrum, what is a sprint, you know, what is a stand up yep. for, and all those things. Yeah, I'm curious too. Have you done that all along, or just something newer you've been implementing? I'm, I'm, I learned. I'm just, I want to know like what's how effective it is too. Yeah, I learned agile as a software developer, you know, so back in the day, and I've just been able able to implement. I would say for us, it's relatively a, it is it's pretty effective because you know in the mining space, there's. In, in, in these environments, you're running data centers. It could be one day super cold and snowy and the next day raining and muddy everywhere. And so the environment shift, the priorities can shift as time moves on. So we're always focused on uh, ensuring that our sprints, our two-week sprints in that scrum cycle are, are focused on the highest priority items. And there's a lot of things that are always going on. And so we have you know the mythology of document it, put it in a card if it's a problem so that employees aren't overwhelmed. With, with everything that can happen in a 24-7 data center with only so many mm-hmm. so much staff. And so it's a key to uh, for us to, to ensure that we're using the processes in place to track everything that's going on unless things mm-hmm. fall through the cracks. And that's something that we've always advocated for um, you know, as, as a CEO is how do you add this granularity where it's not overarching and, and, and it's not slowing your job down, but it allows you to make make a better impact and communicate with everyone as the actions are happening. Got it. Yeah. Um, what about company culture too? Um, I guess how many of your employees like get Bitcoin at least at a base level knowledge? I'm sure they do. They're going through this training. Um, and where are you guys like geographically located? Are you distributed? Are you all in an office there? Yeah, so we are distributed, but mainly in Iowa. So most of our technicians are in Iowa. Mm. Most of our, our HR is in Iowa. You know, everyone who's related to the day-to-day operation of the site, logistics managers, you know, uh, site managers, everyone's in Iowa. Um, and then when it comes to sales and account executives and, you know, those, those type of level of roles, they're anywhere, Texas, North Carolina, South Carolina, Virginia, you know, anywhere in the, in the U.S. We've had people in Colorado. Uh, so we are a remote team. We can function remotely, but still come back in, into Iowa. And then when it comes to culture, you know, really, it's 
creating, as I mentioned, radical candor. We had, we had a book called like the 15 uh, Leadership Principles, which was really helpful. Uh, as a team, we read mm-hmm. something called The Soul of Money, explaining like, what is money? Why do we have money? Kind of asking these big why questions so that you can understand the bigger impact of Bitcoin and challenging some of these assumptions that we have is helps us push uh, the culture in that way. And then it's also, you know, in our interview process, asking them questions like, what is their personal definition of success? Like, what does success mean for them and for their family? Um, tell me, tell us about yeah. a time when you experienced or observed an injustice in work or in your personal life and how did they handle it? And then asking them, like, what do you think you're entitled mm-hmm. to when you come work for us as a company? And what do you think the company is entitled to give you? Uh, and so trying to really make sure we have good expectations, yeah. that we have clear communication and we have a, you know, a no BS culture, work culture where it's, uh, you know, we're going to be making sure that you're tracking and working on minors and you're asking for help if you don't understand something and that you can feel comfortable to, to have, you know, to ask help and that that information is at your fingertips. Uh, sorry, cut out for a sec, but we're back. Um, yeah, that was, I, got, I caught most of that. That was a great answer. Uh, so as a CEO as well, what do you do? What do you do day to day? So my focus is all on um, new site development and, and hiring and fundraising. So talking to investors, mm-hmm. talking to capital partners, um, working with local utilities to understand their rate class, understand how we can work together on the energy side. Um, working with the landowners, getting, making sure all the permits are going through, making sure that the, we get our zoning uh, board meetings done, you know, flying up to Iowa to meet with, meet with those local city councils and local board of supervisors, explain them the benefits of demand response and energy. And they're doing a lot of podcasts and, and social media talking about the benefits of Bitcoin mining on the grid and the, yep. the opportunity that Bitcoin mining has uh, to change the world and to make an income for people. Got it. And let's transition now a little more into like the recruiting, um, hiring type questions. So I guess my first question would be, what's your typical interview process like? Sure. So we have a three stage interview process. Um, First one's going to be the HR uh, person will interview them at our company and show them see to see, okay, Mm -hmm. is is this a good fit? Um, Does this a culture fit? How do they do the basic, these basic questions from there? We go to a level two interview, which is going to be a more specialized technician. So someone on our team, at least two to three people sit down, interview them again, similar questions, making sure culture fit and making sure that, um, that, that, you know, that this individual is going to be, have the good, good IT experience and be fit well. Then the third interview is usually with the site manager, site director, or with myself. Um, and then that's going to be some more imper- more depth, more questions, more of just like, who is this person, assuming that they've gone through and passed the technical requirements from the previous two interviews, and does this person really fit, and are they going to do well in our culture, and our fast-paced culture, and do well with our learning environment? Um, we do make them take some, um, some tests online, just on basic okay. things of like, how fast can you uh, solve, you know, these math problems? I think they're like acuity tests or something where it's like, you have to you know, answer all these questions in five minutes. You have 30 of them, go. And so it's like showing people how they think on their feet. Then we see if they have any of these certifications, these Linux certifications that we had. And then after all that, we kind of take everyone, all the, everyone together, we meet. Uh, everyone has notes that they provided. And there's a discussion where it's either a, you know, a hell yes or a no. Uh, we try not mm-hmm. to, you know, if the candidate's not a hell yes, uh, we try not to bring them on. Um, especially in you know in a bear market where we have more time and we're not necessarily rushing to build out another site 
So we take our, we have to take our time, get, it, get a hell yes, and provide an open discussion for anyone who thinks that that person might not be a good fit. And if there's usually one no, uh, that's gonna, then the decision kind of comes to me. If there's two no's, usually we're not even going to consider that employee. And usually we know if there are two no's by the second interview, so they never even get to a third. Uh, but that's our process mm-hmm. at the mining store that mm-hmm. we've developed over the years, and it's and worked out pretty well. Got it. Is there a question you typically ask all candidates to, to filter for anything? Like, what's your favorite interview type question? Oh, I lost you there. Ah, that's cool. We can cut it out. Um, what's, during the interview process, is there usually like a go-to interview question that you like to ask that's like your favorite uh, way to filter out people? Yeah, I, I like the, the expectation question of like, what do you expect from an employee? employer and what is the what, what should we inspect from you i think it's very clear mm-hmm. to have the expectations set and it's also great to understand where if this person doesn't have any expectations outlined or if they're not able to clearly describe what um what they're able to do for the employee and what they're able to bring to the table it shows you a lot about uh what this job necessarily means to them and how they're going to perform and what type yeah. of ownership they're going to take in it um, and then, you know, I think that's, that's definitely the, one of the main ones. I would say another one is like, you know, what's, what's important to you in this career move? Why are you making a career move? Describe your ideal company culture, you know, in three qualities. And then what, what side projects they have is another one I love to ask. Like, what are you working on in your free time when you're not working? And that's a good the one. candidates that I found mm-hmm. that are the best are the ones who are, you know, they're tinkering with stuff and they're building things for their, you know, their IT systems at home or they're building a video game. Those are the candidates that we found that go above and beyond um, and really bring a lot of value to the team. Right. Um, also, I guess what's looking in, I guess now or into the foreseeable future, um, what jobs do you expect to be hiring for? Oh, lost you there too. Uh, look, thinking now or even into the foreseeable future, what type of jobs are you expecting to hire for? into the foreseeable future uh, another like construction manager who will manage multiple site deployments um, mm-hmm. I think there's an opportunity for us to bring in a new uh, procurement manager and start procuring some more minute and granular parts in our in our, our production line like the things electricians would usually buy um, little small things that electrical components that make these sites go up quickly um, yep. and then more more marketing, more account executive teams, those guys who are looking to put out information and really make the sales process of a mining company uh, be, I would say, graceful. I would say most mining companies, you know, the sales process is like, hey, one Calendly call, like, let's chat, you know, send us $100,000, we'll buy you Bitcoin miners. But making it more of like a software sales process where it's like a demo and like, this is what to expect, here's what your dashboard looks like, here's how you're impacting the community, you know, here's here's what the sites look like, here's a live video tour, really trying to build out that sales process for this next bull market so that it is yeah. clear uh, with the client what to expect and that they really trust you know, and, and understand the software slash product that they're buying. Sure, and where are you typically sourcing talent nowadays? That's a great question. I would say we're posting, You know, we have local, we try to get people out in the local meetups in Iowa to find local IT guys going to like computer yep. clubs and things like that. We're on Indeed, we're on LinkedIn. Um, and I would say those are the two main spots uh, where we are finding talent for, for our operation. Got it, okay. 
And I know you mentioned more in the beginning, there's three or four um, different jobs in the mining industry specifically that are most in demand. I kind of want to walk through each of those and can you give advice, we'll start with the first one, can you give advice for someone that's maybe a, an operator in traditional en energy, um, in the energy industry, what's a piece of advice you give to them looking to transition into the Bitcoin mining space? So for guys in the energy space, they're usually you know, one foot in, one foot out in Bitcoin because they, they love, you know, they're in the energy business and they understand that and it's something that they can still run with, which is nice. But Bitcoin is such a different dynamic horse when it comes to its load profile, being able to be turned off whenever. And so they find, I feel like they find a opportunity to have some synergies there where they can take their energy contacts and say, hey, I know Bitcoin mining companies that are interested in using energy of these stranded assets. And they kind of bridge mm -hmm. the gap between these two industries. So they're not just necessarily out. And if they do jump all the way out to a Bitcoin mining company, then they're interfacing with their old colleagues, trying to do deals, finding stranded wind farms, finding those energy assets. And that's where the collaboration can occur. So they are a great bridge um, to, to both, both the worlds and how closely connected they are. Because there is a lot of education and there's a lot of concern about what is Bitcoin saying here. And so they have to kind of bring their colleagues over that gap and explain yeah. to them that we can get rid of credit risk and we can have the Bitcoin miner pay for the upgrades, et cetera. So like an actionable piece of advice could be maybe start aggregating your uh, your network who you can get in contact with. Uh, so when you come across a Bitcoin mining company hiring, you could say, here's what I can tap into right away, essentially. Exactly. Here's who I know in my energy space. Here's And like having the conversation with your colleagues, like, hey, do you have assets that yeah. are stranded that, um, that need an off taker? Need someone to buy the power. Having a list of those assets yep. is invaluable. You could take that list and go to public mining companies and you could you know, flip sites for millions of dollars per site in profit, uh, just understanding how to lock it down and uh, understanding what the value of that infrastructure is. Yeah, there's so much opportunity right now. What about, let's, let's move to sales. So anyone that's uh, in traditional sales, maybe looking to get into Bitcoin mining sales in any capacity. What's a piece of advice you'd give them right now? Ooh, that's a hard, I would say learn Bitcoin. I mean, you have to believe. As a sales guy, every one of our sales guys, they came and they were a Bitcoin believer. Not believe what you're selling. And then they came to Bit and then yeah. they came to sell, right? So you have to believe that Bitcoin is, you know, not going to go away. It's the future, and it has to be bigger than just this your job. And those are the sales and account executives that we find uh, do the best, is because you don't have to teach them the you know, the value of Bitcoin and all the things that go with that and the rabbit hole there. And then when they're speaking to other, you know, investors who are coming in, they're coming from a place of conviction and they're able yep. to share that message and, and know that this is a, you know, a good investment that's going to be here in four years and not just going to disappear. So that's, I think, a key thing is if you're in sales and you want to get into Bitcoin, just learn about Bitcoin. <laughs> Unlike the energy guys, it's the opposite, right? Stay in energy. Yeah. <laughs> Anecdotally, yeah, so I used to do real estate type of sales. It was called wholesaling, where you just call up homeowners trying to get their, their their house under contract at a discount. And I was not good at it. I mean, I guess I was newer to sales, but I was just like, I didn't believe in what I was selling. So I didn't really, I found some success, but not much. And it didn't last too long. Whereas, uh, once I came into the Bitcoin industry, sales for me became so much easier. I mean, I still do it day to day, just like not even trying to sell anything. I'm just like trying to sell Bitcoin. Like, hey, where's some Bitcoin? Uh, yeah, it's just fun to me. So any salesperson, got to believe in what you're selling. Um, really understanding Bitcoin, I think, will elevate you in the um, job selection process 
across all other candidates. Lastly, I want to go to minor technicians. What's, some, what's something someone can do right now, actual piece of advice, that wants to become a minor technician? Minor technician is build your IT skill set. So take CompTIA classes, take Linux Plus certification, take Network Plus, Cisco certifications. Any of these certs can be learned over a three or four month period, and it's going to make you stand above and beyond the other mining technicians applying for that job. That's round yeah. one. Round two is you can go out and do a, a foundry class, a Bitmain certified technician class. You can take those classes. They're a little bit more expensive. They're usually you know, a weekend or two out in, in, in person working on machines. But if you don't have a mining job and you want to get into the space, recommend, highly recommend that. If you come into an interview with that, you can re you can demand a you know a higher salary than you're going to get if you just have a normal IT job um, with no experience. So that's what I would say to all Bitcoin miners out there is, if Bitcoin mining technicians, people looking for jobs in that space, is take some Linux classes, get some certifications that are transferable to other data center operations. And we know data centers are only going to keep growing. And there's only going to be a bigger need for data center techs and mining techs as we move forward. Awesome. I think it's amazing advice, honestly. Uh, this will be great to chop up and put into little clips. Can't wait. Providing <laughs> uh, a lot of value here. Uh, yeah, so as we wrap up here, I'm curious what your thoughts are about the future of work. But I think, obviously, the internet nowadays, everyone's worldwide has internet connection. That means they can work from anywhere. And I also think Bitcoin plays a unique role because now you can get paid in this, this uh, asset that's native to the internet, right? You don't have to go through the hoops, legal hoops, plus even just paying someone from a U.S. bank account that's living in India, it's probably pretty hard. It probably takes a lot of time, too. How do you see the future of work evolving in the Bitcoin mining space? Ooh, the future of work evolving. I would say, you know, for us, we are fully remote. So it doesn't, you, know, you don't, with this new world, you don't need to have everyone come into the office. You don't need an office space. You can have your you know, you're in office people work on the mining facilities and be focused there. And the guys who, who aren't work, you know, work remotely. But I would say, how is work really changing? I think that more and more of the technician, like maintenance and monitoring tasks that can be done via software will start to yeah. happen from really well-trained overseas technicians that okay. are logging into United States-based uh, mining facilities, like for public companies and are doing fixes on machines because it's all about efficiency. It's all about uptime of these assets. And I think there's mm -hmm. an untapped market in that type of um, setup. And I also think there's an untapped market in just like training programs for technicians. When mining companies grow in scale, uh, especially public companies, they're growing so fast, they need great staff, they're, they have a higher budget, they're willing to pay for it. I think there's a huge opportunity to train, educate technicians, give them a good base level uh, for a month or two, and then they can go out and start working for a big pubco and uh, and and be making you know seventy eighty grand a year as a technician for them versus uh, you know coming in at yep. level one and only making fifty thousand dollars a year. So I think there's two mm -hmm. massive opportunities there for techs in the Bitcoin mining field. Um, and it all comes down to education and training. Right. And as you look into the future as well with the mining store, are there any upcoming product services that you guys plan on offering or anything else related to the company that's Yeah, upcoming? I mean, we have, we have the core four. Um, it's all about now it's how do you scale? How do you get liquidity? What's the best investor type to go for um, when it comes to larger institutional investors? Who do you partner with? And for us, it's going to be like how do we get uh, continuing to grow cash flow, but then also getting the energy energy industry. 
how you buy these stranded assets and, and start acquiring assets that are generating energy for you know a penny and and then go from there and yeah. i think that's that's huge and it's also regulatory like regulatory frameworks changing in a positive way in the midwest um the power contracts are starting to change and so us being able to go in and navigate these new environment provides opportunities that you know we can't even fathom and imagine at the moment for buying power from the open market where it's usually a very low price yeah that's a great insight um all right cool as we wrap up here is there anything else you want to discuss that we didn't touch upon yet i would just say like you know the reason why i'm in bitcoin is because it's it's secure money it's money that's sound and it protects you from you know inflation which i would say is taxation without representation and it's something that you know is never going to change so if you're new to bitcoin if you're just getting started you know buying at twenty nine thousand seven hundred fifty five dollars a coin is not a bad buy I, you know i was buying at seventy dollars a coin and i'm still buying today i'm still dollar cost averaging in because it's the best way to re- uh, preserve your wealth for you and your family's future yeah i couldn't agree more well, JP, thanks so much for your time today. I learned a ton, and I can't wait to release this episode because I think there's going to be a lot of people out there looking to get into the mining industry that are going to get great insights that you gave today. So thank you for that. Where can the audience find uh, your, your business as well as you yourself? How can they get in touch? So at Mining Store on Twitter um, is the company's Twitter account. You can follow me at John Paul Barrick on Instagram. That's J-O-H-N-P-A-U-L Barrick. I will not ask you for crypto on Instagram, so don't send me any. I have scammers out there that always ask people, so watch out. I'm on TikTok as well, at JP Barrick. Um, you can go to miningstore.com slash learn to learn more about Bitcoin mining and the intricacies of owning a mining operation. And uh, miningstore.com also has all of our other services if you're interested in uh, joining one of these services. If you're interested in the BitVault or the $100 program, you can find that on WeFunder. Just search WeFunder mm-hmm. BitVault and uh, different offerings will come up with influencers that you can invest in. And uh, thanks again for the time, Eric. Perfect. All right, man. Well, hopefully I'll have you back on the podcast in a year or so, see where things are at and your ability to scale it. But super bullish going into this uh, new new bull market here coming up. Yeah, let's keep, let's keep marching on, building keep the Bitcoin infrastructure. <laughs> All right. Talk to you later. Thanks so much. Thanks. Hey, guys. Thanks for listening, and I really hope you found value in this podcast. If you're a job seeker looking to work for a Bitcoin company or you're a part of a Bitcoin company and need help with finding talent for your team, please head over our website at www.bitcointalent.co and get in touch with our team. Thanks. Until next time.